0: under the most severe trials and challenges, seen the most incredible miracles.
1: He's, he's raised the dead. He's released sickness from people's bodies miraculously. And he moves in signs, wonders,
0: and miracles. And we felt that this is an impartation we want to receive for our church, as we are trusting for that. And we're doing our healing room straight after for anyone who's sick. And Pastor Morris is going to help us pray for anyone here who's sick. Do not leave sick. Amen. Do not leave sick because you don't have to. Amen. Everyone
1: say God bless. Pastor Morris. Thank you, Thank you my friend. <laughs> Thanks so much, Andrew. Uh, come on, folks. We can do better than that. Thank you. Here we go. Uh, praise the Lord. We're going to have some fun. And we're going to have some great times. Can I just say, Andrew, it was not Mugabe who didn't want you in Zimbabwe. Oh, okay. No. It was the devil who didn't want you in Zimbabwe. Because it's a cooking pot up there. And he knew that it's only it will only take people like us. Strong spinal cords. <laughs> strong spines who could stand the test of times, and here we are. Okay. One man once came to me and said, Why is it that Jesus didn't have women as apostles? I said, I don't know. He says, I feel maybe it's because He was trying to avoid things like no getting up early morning and someone comes to him and says, Hey Jesus, what am I going to wear to Galilee today? (laughs) I hope you are not going to act like a Japanese who only laugh at a joke two weeks later. (laughs) Got it right? Praise God, thank you. Thank you so much for having me here, Andrew. Um, Andrew and Carol, myself and my wife, I think we have um, known each other for over 20 years now. You know, like you said, and uh, ever since that moment, we have really felt like there's this connection between us. And I'm so glad that the Lord has been building up and doing some things together. You know, in our hearts, and we feel that there's such a divine connection between us, which is even going on and on. And, uh, oh, by the way, I have four girls who are not yet married.
0: Oh,
1: okay. oh yes. And uh, I know you still have, um,
0: <laughs> some single
1: <marriage>. of course. <laughs> okay, my name is Maurice, as you have heard, and uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm going to share with us briefly on the New Testament church. And, uh, you know, before we do that, I'm going to show you my, some my family. So if we can move on to the next slide so that at least you guys can see my, my family is there. Anyone who is doing this for us? Um, I married the husband of only one wife. Okay, yes. um, yeah.
0: there she is.
1: Okay, there she is yeah. And that's my family. Yeah. That's part of my family because part of it is not yet is, is not there. My daughter Nyasha, who is the eldest daughter in China, Salome in uh, Vinduk, Namibia, yeah. and those two are still with us at home. And my son, who is Yengoni, MJ, who is married to Lerato. Lerato was here this morning, but she's gone back home. And uh, um, the next one, please. Oh, there we are. That's my wife, Kathy. As you can see, the most beautiful woman in the whole world. (laughs) Okay, and that's my first grandson, Atuona. As you can see, the mom is having a big bump. You're ready anytime soon to have another one. So yeah, that's that's my family, and I'm glad that God has blessed me with such a big family. I said it in the morning service that um, it has always been said that um, dads or husbands who have more girls are more loving. I don't know if I have a witness from anyone. Oh come on, you can say that again. <laughs> you can say that again. Okay, um, let's just m- move on. Um, I just want, as I have said, I just want to share with us on what i sense the spirit of God has been imparting in my heart and in my spirit for a long time. Because after being in ministry for over 25 years, I got to that time where having planted seven churches in Zimbabwe, still more there was something that was happening in me, and I got to that stage where after hearing and seeing all that was going on, You know, the hocus pocus that has really taken the church by storm, especially in Africa, where there's this big man of God syndrome, where it's like one man does everything. You know, in an organization, one of the things that they teach you is that you don't have to think, because thinking causes divisions. And after going through all that, I got to a stage where I was fed up with all that was happening. And sick and tired of that, I began to pray and asking God, Lord, what is it that we have missed or we are missing as the church? Because I don't believe this is what you died for, Jesus. Yeah. Because I don't believe that Jesus died so that one man could be the boss over all. Yeah. Right. And when you look even at an organogram of the way many churches or many people mm-hmm. used to do church, they have you know, their relationship in the form of a triangle, yeah. whereby the two corners of that triangle are at the bottom, and the tip is at the top. Yeah. And right at the top, in most cases, you see that at the top is where they plant or place the apostolic leaders or the so-called men of God. I was looking at it one day, and I didn't really understand, and I knew that the Spirit of God was trying to show me something. And here is how he began to minister to me. Can you imagine that God at times when you are open to the voice of the spirit, he begins to minister to you in certain ways that are so profound that he can actually use a water bottle to minister to you. God began to speak to me, you know, from a can of insecticides. It was an insecticide can. And on that insect side, Ken, I think it was Target or one of those, there was this triangle, okay? And right on top of that triangle, there was a roach. (laughs) And as I was looking at it, somehow, it just flipped and fell. And as I tried to bring it up again, I did it the other way around, and it was upside down. And that triangle was now pointing down, and the roach was pierced like as it were, right here. And the Spirit of God said to me, son, this is what I want you to do. This is what an apostolic church should look like. The apostles should be the other way around. They should be the foundation of the church. They should be right at the tip, but they should not be on top. They should be on the foundation. And As they do that, the moment you begin to do that, my love, my passion, my spirit will always pierce through them so much so that what permeates from them and radiates from them is my glory that will begin to fill and permeate into the whole nation. I said, Lord, I didn't know about this. So I started to pray. God, teach me. What does it take to be in a New Testament apostolic church? You see that a man called Martin Luther Jr., Martin Luther King Jr. said, If the church does not recapture its prophetic zeal, it will become an irrelevant social club without moral or spiritual authority. And yet, you and I need to understand that as long as we negate the spiritual authority which we have received from the Lord, we are not good enough to change or to transform the world we live in. People are waiting for the church of Jesus Christ because the church of Jesus Christ has no one else at the helm but him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So if we are to see the church being reformed or transformed into that position, we have to die to self and allow him to take and to do what he has chosen and called us fought for to do. Brothers and sisters, we are living in top starve societies where times must be redeemed because the days are coming to an end. The paradox of time has it in this way, that we live in times where we see enough humans but not enough humanity. We live in times when smartphones bring you closer to those afar, but distancing you from those who are closer. We live in times when we open more Facebook than the Holy Book. We live in times, brothers and sisters, when our possessions are more, but our appreciation is less. We live in times when a single mother can look after ten children, but ten children can't look after one mother. Such is the perversity of the world we live in. And so much so that at a gay wedding between two men, the priest was confused as how to pronounce them. Should I say, I pronounce you husband and wife? How shall I do it? After a long silence, he looked at the crowd and looked at the people and he said, I now pronounce you men united. Someone is not following me up with the slides. No wonder why, maybe that that team in the EEPL with the same name is also called the Red Devils. (laughs) I don't know why they call themselves Red Devils, you know, I mean, a devil is a devil. Whether they are black, red, pink, or yellow, they are still devils, eh? I know I'm going to be in hot soup with my son because he's a fan of menu, but I love Chelsea. If God hated Chelsea, he would not have created the sky blue. Yeah. <laughs> any Chelsea fans here? Do we have any Chelsea fans who are here? No Chelsea fans? Chelsea, oh, Chelsea. come on. At least to make me happy. To make me at least, you know. <laughs> come on, the whole church. From now onwards, the whole church supports Chelsea. <laughs> so to try to bring this home... Let's just take a look at a few scriptures. First of all, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm going to read just two scriptures from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1 and verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and we'll jump to verse 26. I'll encourage you to go through the whole 1 Corinthians from chapter 13, chapter 14, sorry, from chapter 12, 13, and 14. So, verse 1, let's all do it together. Let's read together. 1, 2, 3, go. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. 26, what then shall we say, brother? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. When you look at those opening words from verse 26, what then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you look at the context, Paul is actually saying, what then should it be, or how shall it be when you are in a church that has people who are so gifted? He says, it's, it's possible that we can have people in a church who are so gifted, so much so that we don't have only one prophet, but we have so many prophets. He then says, but when those prophets come to speak, at least... One should speak, and another one should come to confirm what has been spoken. So that means you say it's possible that we can have prophetic people in a church. But it then begins to bring in order, so much so that we should understand that the main thing in that church is not just the gifts, but it is how they begin to flow and how they operate orderly in that church chapter 13 verse 1 begin to speak to us about the greatest thing that must be done for us to move and to operate in the gifts of the spirit and he says we should do it in love. so it's possible that a church can have all these things manifesting each time we congregate or gather together Be it in homes, at connect connect groups, wherever we are, we can have people coming in with a hymn, a word of instruction, a tongue, an interpretation. So Paul is basically saying that when you have all these things, what you need to understand is that all this must be done in an orderly manner so that the bottom line is building the church, not building a person. So when we come here, we are not building one individual, but we are building the body of Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it's possible that people can... Now, when you look at this, I, I, I begin to ask God and say, Lord, if this is what it took for a person to be in the early church, in the New Testament church, what are we doing? Where have we gone wrong? So much so that these things are no longer being made manifest among us when we come together. If we, if you and I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that means to say these still need to happen among us. The only question we ask ourselves is if we are to enter into the New Testament church, What part of that are we going to have? The only thing that can limit us or restrict us from entering into a New Testament church is not our skin texture. It's not our height or where we come from. The only thing will be our ignorance of the voice of the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that can serenade us or segregate us from entering into the New Testament church. As I was looking at it, the Spirit of God began to ask me and say, son, you need to understand that in whatever you are doing, you are building. I called you to build. And the principal architecture of building the church is Jesus himself. He says, you need to understand that you're building. But when you are building, you must understand that it's either you're building a movement or a monument. Building a church or a country club? I said, Lord, help me build a church. He says, when you want to build a church, you remove yourself from the fray of things, and you allow me to be heard by people. You allow me to be seen by people. When people come every day, they are not coming for you, but they are coming for me. said, Lord, help me. So much so that I remove myself so that people see you, because when people come and 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 and, and, and they hear Jesus, their faith is built up. Yes. And we need to ask ourselves a question: What is it that people are coming from, from Sunday to Sunday? I was raised up in a small farm in Nyazura, which is about 200 kilometers southeast of Fararry, and that was, you know, during the Smith regime during that time, I had the privilege of going to a country club with my dad. Because he was a cook. So he would take me at times, you know, over the weekend to just go to this country club. And at this country club, I began to understand certain things. Most of the white folks who would come to that country club, they were coming there to spend time with each other. They were coming there to relax. But above everything else, they were also coming to sit down and begin to talk about what crops to grow, where to sell them, how to grow this crop. And years later, the Spirit of God began to knock this sense in me that they were coming there, not primarily for what they were bringing, but primarily for what they were gleaning and taking out of the country club. They were coming there because they wanted to be equipped. They were coming there because they were receiving certain things, certain information, which was vital for them those days. And he says, when you develop and begin to build a country club, you will have a lot of people who will be coming. But those people will not be coming to build. Those people will not be coming to impact anything. They will be coming to glean and take what is there. He said, Lord, I don't want to build when we build a country club, we can have thousands of people coming in. And these people can come because there is this big of, big man of God syndrome. Because there is this man of God who is do, doing wonders for us. They will flock Sunday after Sunday. But tell you what, that day the man of God ceases to perform, they flee away. Because it's a country club. But when we build a church together with Jesus Christ, <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens. A person who has been building with Christ Jesus, will only have one thing, that we have this, that we do at the end of the day. We are here to pass the baton to the next generation so that we keep building until the whole body of Jesus Christ is built to the full measure of the stature of Jesus Christ. So I said, Lord, help me. When people come to build a monument, a monument is a replica that has a person's name on it, but this thing does not move, this thing does not live, this thing, this thing does not have life in it. Mm-hmm. The day, you know, the honor or the m- name, the day the person whose monument has been erected to himself is gone, then that ceases to have life in it. Yeah. There was a man in the Bible whose name was Absalom who built a monument to himself. Mm-hmm. It's just a monument. We can refer to history, we can talk about it. But that does not change life. That does not impact a generation. That does not do anything to any people. So when we build a monument, we are simply building something that has a personal name to it, but that will cease to live from the day that person is gone. But when we build the church of Jesus Christ, we are putting life, we are building together with him who says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, help me, because this is what we want to build. And there are a few things which I'm going to point to quickly in building a New Testament church, in reference to what the early church used to do. In the early church, the early church used to come for equipping, and they used to come for equipping in order for them to do ministry works. Remember, ministry works. So in the New Testament church, no one was coming to be a bencher. Right. No one was coming to just sit and do nothing. Right. In the New Testament church, the main thing, the main thrust was not come and hear me, but it was come, be polished, go back and do something. Yes. The reason why the gospel spread so fast was simply because the apostles who spent time in prayer and in meditation, and in scriptures, so much so that when people would come, they would see Jesus, oh, come on now, be empowered and go back home and perform the miracles. Right, that's right, yeah. And that way the church began to grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. There's a reason why he did that. I wonder why. We have missed this. I wonder why the church has not understood this. An apostle, a pastor, a teacher is not there to just sit and be the boss over the church. No. Mm -hmm. But the Bible says he has given them this gift so much so that they should equip. Oh, come on. Train. Raise the saints. For the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Hmm. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. The faith. And of the knowledge of the son of God. Hmm. As long as people don't have the knowledge of the son of God. That means to say there is work for the high fold to be done. Oh. How I pray. How I cry. That as you leave this place today, you'll go back home with the knowledge of the Son of Man. The knowledge of Jesus. The world is crying. The world is waiting right now in anticipation. Oh, as Paul says in Romans chapter 8, that the whole creation is groaning until now. Waiting for the adoption of the sons of God. Do you know that when you quarrel with your spouse, even the flies and the spiders, if they are there in your house, they go, ouch. When shall we see the manifestation of the sons of God? When you become hostile even to your pets, they cry and say, I knew it. We have a skabanga of a man here. <laughs> Knowledge of the son of God. Knowledge of the Son of God. Yeah. Hmm. We must have the fullness of Christ in us. We must have the fullness of Christ in us. And God gave me this picture of a, of a brick form, a brick molding machine. You know, when they take mortar and, and, and they dump it in that brick molding machine, the mortar must be Enough, so much so that it covers from end to end. Because if it does not do that, then we are not going to have a full break. And think about it, even yourself. But Christ, when he, God, when he looks at us, sorry, he does not look at us by virtue of where we come from. But he looks at us in the sight or in the eyes of the fullness of Christ. Robert Layardon, in his book, I Saw Heaven, once said, when God took me to heaven, I had a tour. And during my tour, he says, whatever I was seeing was that all the people who were around, all the people I was seeing were almost the age of Jesus Christ. Everyone, even those who who were older when they died, all of them were looking as if they were 33 years. Around that age. Because they were... The fullness of Christ. The primary responsibility of the fivefold is to prepare God's people for works of service. Yeah. It is so boring and unchrist-like to be in a church where I get to do everything on the, all by myself. Yeah, know, it's it's very unchrist-like. Yeah. Brothers and sisters, we need even to begin to teach our kids from children's church to hear the voice of God and to prophesy. How wonderful will it be to Come to church one day and have one six, seven-year-old kid come and run to the front and say, Mommy, I saw an angel. This is what Jesus said to me. Up until we have such, we're still lagging behind in the gifts of the Spirit. And we need to activate this so much so that it becomes easy to know the church of Jesus Christ. The early church came to hear Jesus and be healed by him. Luke chapter 5 and verse 15, the scriptures say, however, the report went around concerning him all the more. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Luke chapter 6 and 17, and he came down with them and stood on a level place with proud of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sea coast of Tyre and Sidon or Sidon who came to hear Jesus and be healed of their diseases yeah. so the people came to hear Jesus and be healed of their diseases i was conducting a conference one day in Arari. And as I was midway through my sermon, a woman just came from Norway, crying and running. Pastor, pastor, my daughter, my daughter. And she came running down the aisle. aisle. As I was standing in front, she just came there crying. She's dead, she's dead. dropped the baby in my arms. I held the baby. And I was teaching on faith. Now many of us know that you're a minister, you're teaching on faith, and such a thing happens, you know that the end result is going to be only one of the two things. It's either this is the end of my ministry, or people are going to affirm me As their leader. I'm looking at it. I mean it's like goosebumps. All over my back. Uh, It's like. A huge door to a fridge. Or a freezer has been opened. And I'm freezing outside. Like my God. What am I going to do? And inside there's this giant of faith. That is leaping up and saying. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. And I begin to speak the word. To this dead corpse. I pray and I continue to speak the word. Five minutes, I'm speaking the word. I'm going on and there's nothing. <laughs> and by that time, my wife is standing next to me and I continue to speak the word of God. And I hear a still small voice saying, it's done. Hand it to your wife. I give it to my wife with two things. Number one, it's as good as saying, baby, go take care of this. Number two, I'm trying to dodge and saying, you know what, okay, let's keep going. Where were we? And who, who, does, who cares where were we or where we were when we have a situation like this? Come on, pastor, do something about this child. Don't ask us, where were we? We are here, and we were praying for this dead body. I tried five, seven minutes, and it's like no one is listening to me. But I knew that the, the Lord had performed a miracle. And exactly after about seven minutes, And she is actually smiling. And she calls. Praise the Lord. And what do I hear? The baby is crying. (laughs) Her name is Grace. And Grace is still alive today. Oh, hallelujah. So, brothers and sisters. I feel and I believe this is what God has sent me here to do. I've come here to just deposit. An anointing for the miraculous. To quicken what is in us. You may not remember maybe all what I've said. But if there is anything I want you to get hold of. It is that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. He is still doing miracles today. He is still healing the sick today. He is still raising the dead today. You need to catch that anointing and get hold of that spirit. You understand like julius malema once said that english to a black african is like airtime sometimes sometimes it runs out <laughs> so if it runs out you may not understand all e- everything that i'm saying but please get out of this jesus christ is still the same <laughs> Romans chapter 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If people are not developing faith, it is because they are not hearing from God, but they are hearing from men. When people hear from men and not from God, they have or they may have hope, but hope alone is not what is needed. We need both hope and faith. Because hope, elpis in Greek, is the field of play. And faith is that which when hope has created the field of play, faith comes in and produces in that area, in that field of play. So faith comes by hearing and hearing from Jesus. So when they came to hear Jesus, faith was lifted, faith was developed, faith began to grow in the inside of them, so much so that healings will just make manifest themselves. So when we hear Jesus, I'm telling you, nothing, I repeat again, nothing will, by any means, stop what God has for you. I'm saying this coming from Zimbabwe. Coming from a situation and an environment which is so difficult to live in, where at times you open your refrigerator door and you have more water bottles than juices in it. (laughs) Not by design, because the situation at times forces you. At times you walk on on foot, not because you want, but because you don't have, not the money, but you don't have petrol. We still stand in that situation and we still praise the Lord and we see sin. We still are seeing miracles. We still are seeing God doing great things. As we continue to develop New Testament church, finally they came to learn the language of the spirit. They came to learn the language of the spirit. Oh, the language of the spirit. The New Testament church was not only the dwelling place for the presence of God, It was also a learning center for the language of the Holy Spirit. See, you see that in the scripture we have just read, the people in the church at Corinth had learned the language of the Holy Spirit so much so that it was easy to have a couple of people coming with revelations and say, I have a revelation, and some having a tongue. Or someone just to stand and say, hey, I have an interpretation. Or dreams and visions. Or any uh, of the gifts that are mentioned on 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 8. Last Friday, I accompanied my son to this hardware store. Because he was buying some stuff for his friend. And afterwards, I just felt in my spirit to go outside. As we were walking outside, I just looked around, and I saw this this white guy. He's an elderly man. And as I'm looking at him, he goes to the door of his car, and he's trying to open the door of his car, and he turns back like this. And I see his lips. And quickly the Spirit of God said to me, he's praying in tongues. And I call out to him. And I say, man. I know the language you are speaking in. And I can interpret because that's my home language. He looks at me and says, what? What am I saying? What language is it? And as he says, what language is it? All of a sudden, the Holy Ghost comes upon me and I begin to speak back to him in, in the spirit. And so we were speaking in tongues. I dropped everything that was in my hand. And he drops everything that he was also holding to. And he comes running to me. We embrace each other. And for a couple of minutes, we are just praying in the spirit. And as we were praying in the spirit, a couple of guys are, are coming out. And I'm, I'm very like, okay. I'm very conscious of my environment. This is outside. I, I don't know. I mean... Back home in Arad, we could do this, uh, but I don't know in South Africa. And there's this white guy who comes and is looking at us, and it's like, I almost said, it's not what you think. It's not. It's. N- it's not what you think, because I mean, there's these two guys, a black guy, and this white guy. <laughs> They've embraced each other, and it's like, so close, <laughs> up close and up tight. It's like, come on now. Long story short, we end up you no know, talking to each other, introducing ourselves, <laughs> no, and right at the end, this guy says to me, "Hey, I want to invite you to my place whenever you want. Please come for coffee." Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, he gives us his number, his address, and everything, and I'm keeping. I'm thinking to myself, this is in Joburg. When last did I hear of this, that a white guy can just give his number and his address to a black foreigner wow. and say, you can come home. And there was one thing in my heart, that there are no foreigners when we are in the body of Christ. Yeah. When we are in the body of Christ, yeah. in our movement, in every nation, we always say, it, my brother from another mother. And that was my brother from another mother. And what a divine moment it was for us to be together. A young man, after learning about the language of the spirit in terms of dreams and visions, having been taught in the word so well, he went to the army barracks in the United States to visit his brother who was in the army. As he went to the army barracks, the Lord had given him in a dream a certain man and he knew exactly the height of that man and he had actually shown him what the man was wearing and he had also shown him the gestures this man was using as you are speaking to his brother. So he had waited to see the manifestation of that dream for a week until that day. And he, as he walked up to his brother, he saw exactly this man whom he had seen in his dream. And he knew clearly that this is the man I saw in my dreams. And in his dream, God had said to him certain things that he wanted this man to know about. So he walked up to this man and said, hey, I saw you. And this man just looked at him. He never said anything. He says, and when I saw you, this is what I was told to tell you. He began to tell this man exactly everything that this man wanted to know. This man just looked at him and never said anything and walked away. And he's like, but why? I thought he was going to say something about this. I don't know now whether this is true or not. So he said, anyway, I've done my my, my part. This is what the Lord told me to do, and I've done my part. So he left. Two weeks later, he came back. And when he came back two weeks later, that same man bumped into him and said, young man, come to my office right now. (laughs) So he came to his office and said, The last time you came here, you said something. Where did you hear that from? He said, sir, I had a dream. Mm. And God told me those things. He says, you dream? He says, yes, I dream. He says, young man, what you told me, I could not say anything. Because the president of the United States of America was in a situation which we needed to come up with a solution. And that was classified matter. It was not supposed to be known by any person. And I am surprised how you came to know about it. He says, I dream. And God told me that. He says, you dream? He says, yes. He says, can you come back tomorrow? Mm -hmm. He came back the following morning. And when he came back the following morning, he says, son, we want to hire you. (laughs) He says, sir, for the why? He says, because we want you to dream for the United States of American Army. So when we learn the voice of the spirit, there are certain things that will begin to happen, and God will just open doors for us. Yeah. There are many times whereby God has just enabled me to dream, to see visions, to, to see, to be in a stance and to see people. At times, the Lord just allows me to see in a dream a certain person, you know, dressed in a certain way. And the times I just pray and say, God, when time comes, make it manifest. And the times I'm walking and boom, I see that person and it's like, oh, I remember what God told me about this person. And the times I go to that person and say, are you in a situation like this and this? And it's like, huh? how do you know? <laughs> One day, God spoke to me in a dream. And I saw myself in Harare. And I was Just, you know, very close to this big billboard across one of the major roads, you know, in in, in our city, Robert Mugabe Road. As I was looking at that billboard, I saw what was written. And in my dream, God spoke to me and said, move to that area. And as I moved to that area, I began to see our every nation church. People were coming to that place. And in my dream, I heard the Spirit of God saying, that is the land you are going to build the church on. And I said, Lord, I woke up the following morning. I said, Lord, I don't have money. How is this going to happen? I don't even know how to go about this. So I started praying. And the Spirit of God started to reveal to me what we should do. He then said to me in, um, in my prayers, don't go and apply for that land. Go and sell." said, how, how, how am I going to save? So I went to the city council and we saw that there was a small garden for those who come from Harare, you know Harare gardens. The green arm of that garden had dried up. There was a small fish pond which was disused. A small toilet you know, which used to be used by passers-by. The doors were closed and shut. And there was a fence which had fallen down and people were crisscrossing, you know, even on <coughs> into the garden on an area which was not supposed to be used by pedestrians. So I went to the council and I said, I saw something and I want to help. They said, how do you want to help? I said, we want to build the toilet. We want to revamp the boreholes. We want to revamp the fish pond. And they said, what company are you representing? I said, I'm not representing a company. I'm representing Jesus. I'm coming from a church. I'm a pastor. He says, is that what you want to do? Where do you get the money from? I said, I don't have the money, but I have the skill. Try us. So, before we did that, yes, we didn't have the money, The mayor called me and said, I heard you repair boreholes. I said, yes, we do. And I didn't even have a hint on how to repair boreholes. (laughs) I said, yes, we do. He says, can you come and repair my borehole at my residence? I said, yes, sir, sure. So we went to his house with this team of guys whom I had asked, please, can you do this for me? And somehow they just said, yes, we are going to do it free of charge. We went, revamped that borehole, and he was so happy. To see that he had water, he says, "This is so amazing." And at the same time, you know, things are happening. We have a relationship. I get to get into the mayor's mansion and into the mayor's parlour. I mean, you know, just sitting down with him. And at, at the same time, I'm discipling him, reaching him with the word of God. Yeah. And it's like, what a big door! And it's like, yeah. And the mayor calls me and say. It's year end, but this year we want to finish in style. Would you be so kind to come and open the chambers with a word of prayer for us? I said, Come on, let's have this thing. So I get there and I'm now reaching out to all the city fathers and to the counselors. I have 20 minutes of speaking the word to the city fathers and to the counselors. Praise (laughs) be to God. Long story short, they come to us, they come back to us and say, What can we do for you? I I said, I don't know. They said, go about, look for a piece of land, and we are going to give it to you. So I targeted all the other pieces of land which I thought of. And finally, they said, all this is taken. And I thought, May my God, when, when are we going to get this? And eventually, one guy who was the manager, amenities manager, manager of the amenities department, came to me and said, there is piece of land, which already has a number to it. The person who was really vying for that place was President Mugabe's bodyguard. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, he's deceased before we finished the deal with him. And he said, maybe we need to give that to the pastor. And the other said, no, 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 you know how that guy was, he said, no, I'm, aw- I, I'm aware of that. But he's no more. He's gone. So they said, okay, let's sit down. Long story short. After a few months, I leave the mayor's office with papers. <laughs> with that same piece of land in our name. And I'm not just talking of 2,000 square meters. I'm not just talking of 3,000. I'm talking of more than 10,000 square meters piece of land. And they said, we are not going to allow you to just build a church building. I said, okay, I'll come up. Oh, hallelujah. With a number of things that we are going to do. So I began to tell them about all these plans that we have. And they say, okay. Tell us what else you are going to do. I said we are going to build a coffee shop. We are going to build a a, 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 a youth wing. Oh, come on now. We are going to build. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. And as we speak today, we have been on that piece of ground for a year. And building plans are going on. We have started trenching right now. A building is coming up. To the glory of God. So whatever you do, keep dreaming. Ask God to see visions. Ask God for the prophetic. Ask God to learn the supernatural. You know, at times the things that you need are so close to you. But we don't know them because we are not spiritual enough. The only limitation to entering into the New Testament church is can we hear the voice of the spirit more often? Can we hear the voice of the spirit more often?